So what I've done many times is brought in another spirit who is maybe a family member of that ghost and beckon them to come with them into heaven, into the light. My guest today is Julie Ryan, who is a psychic and medical intuitive, and she'll be sharing what that means and how she uses her abilities to help people and animals all over the world. Julie, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Rod. I'm delighted to be with you real time in the future. Yes, as I always say to my USA guests, I'm a guarantee that the future is coming. <laughs> That's a good one. So I've got a lot of questions for you, but I think the first one is, if you could give us a little bit of background about your life and how you became involved in the work that you do now. Sure. I'm a serial entrepreneur, Rod. I founded nine companies in five industries in my lifetime, and I'm an, an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world. So I tell people I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo, and I'm a buffet of psychicness. I am not a psychic who's had dead people chasing her since childhood, or if I did, I wouldn't know what to do with that. And I learned how to do all this stuff, and now I teach people all over the world how to do it. Everybody has the ability to talk to dead people, to communicate with animals, either deceased or alive, to do medical intuitive work, energetic healing, so all this stuff that I do. And it's really fun. It's easy to uh, think that psychic abilities are something that you get imbued with from birth, isn't it? Especially in, with what I do, talking to psychics seems like uh, people who have had near-death experiences and psychics has happened to them. Out-of-body experiences are the same. A lot of them, it's like they got forced upon them. So it's interesting uh, that you don't have to be in that category. If you have a real interest, you can actually learn how to develop those abilities. So where did that start for you? Where did the interest in this sort of area begin and then how did you go about learning and developing your skills? I've always been interested in helping people heal as a, a person who has been in the hospital supply industry. I was for 30 years, Rod, and as I mentioned, I'm an inventor. So I've invented surgical devices that are sold throughout the world, some of which are still on the market after 30 years, which is amazing. Unfortunately, the patents have expired so there isn't any money left for me in there. But and then I sold my manufacturing company a few years ago, too. And the patents that were remaining went with that. But I've always been interested in helping people heal. And I was given a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by a friend. And it's by Carolyn Mace. And she calls herself a medical intuitive. Now, this is 30 years ago. And I said, what the heck is that? What's a medical intuitive? I'd never heard that term before. And so I read her book and learned what she was doing. And I thought, I want to learn more about this. She was doing, she was able to scan somebody remotely and see things in their body without an x-ray. And I thought, oh, cool. What's that all about? And so back then we didn't have the internet yet. And I did the old fashioned thing run. I went to a bookstore to see if anything else was available after I read that first book. And I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, who's a former NASA physicist and worked on the space program. And she parlayed very complex 
quantum physics principles into understandable English for the non-scientific mind. That would be me. And she was able to facilitate healing energetically. And I wanted to know more. So I called her school to see if she had anybody in my area teaching this stuff. And lo and behold, she did. And I studied with that woman for six years. She's still my mentor and dear friend. She's in her 80s now. And I learned how to be a medical intuitive and energy healer. And so for me, Rod, it's as if I'm a human MRI or CT scan or X-ray. I can scan anybody anywhere in the world with their permission, of course. I don't walk around scanning people because I think that would just be unethical. And I don't really care. And it's none of my business. So I don't do it. I turn my abilities on and off at will. And I can get somebody on my radar. And in my mind's eye, I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, cancer, whatever. And then I watch an energetic healing occur. And that can take the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures all the time that emulate what I saw in surgery for all those years when I was in surgical procedures. Sometimes I see healings that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. And regardless of what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, I'm very descriptive with the person with whom I'm working because if they can envision it, it helps integrate the healing into their body. Because the body always follows what the brain tells it, even if the brain doesn't believe it to be true, or the body doesn't believe it, but it integrates. What I discovered was what brought me into this was the medical side of the equation. And what I learned was when connecting with spirit, you can do it all. So talk to deceased loved ones, talk to anybody, whether you know them or not, doesn't matter. Talk to pets, do past life stuff, tell how close to death somebody is. Gosh, what else? Yeah, like the buffet of psychicness. Everybody has the ability. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it. It makes sense to me that you'd be able to have access to these other abilities as well, because my basic understanding of the spiritual aspect of things is that it's really just lifting your vibration. And I guess that you would do that in order to be able to do the medical intuitive side of things. But then in the process of lifting your vibration, you've now got access to a lot of other things as well. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. You'd be able to do other things as well. Now, was the access to the spiritual communication side of things, being able to communicate with people that have passed on, did that come after you learned your medical intuitive side of things? I think it it came all together because the information that I get downloaded into my head in the form of visuals, and I get what I call divine downloads. So I get information downloaded into my head. I think it all comes together. I think in the, I call it the woo-woo space. In the woo-woo space, we tend to put things into silos, like in the medical industry, Europe cardiologist or a neurologist or a gynecologist in the woo-woo space you're either a psychic or you're a healer or you're a medium it's all the same thing it's all spirit it's all connecting in and you're absolutely right it's just a matter of raising one's vibrational level which takes less than a nanosecond to do it once you learn and that's what i teach in my classes ah so you actually teach people how to develop those abilities as well? That was my next question. 
Yeah, it's a transfer of energy from me to my students. It's about 10% technique. The rest of it's a transfer of energy. And so my students come in where I play. They're coming in at the vibrational level where I am because that's all I can transfer. It's not like I tune a dial on myself and go, okay, I want to send Rod 10 megahertz and I want to send Susie 5 million megahertz. I, I don't, if that's possible, I don't know how to do it. I just transfer energy. And then what happens is they all can do it, which just blows their minds right out of the gate. All my classes have a, like a lecture portion, Q&A and lecture, and then most of it's practicum and they can all do it right out at the beginning and it blows their minds. But think about it. We've all had situations where we think of somebody and we either get a call from them or an email or a text or we run into them and we say, oh my gosh, I was just thinking of you. What a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. That's your psychic ability at work. That's your intuition. We've all had that happen. That's what's going on. I'm a deeply practical person. So now I'm interested in the practical process. For example, someone like me. So I have a condition which I've had for 40 years in my wrists and forearms, where if I use a keyboard for very long, like more than say 20 minutes, they start to really hurt. Some people call it RSI and I've had it for ages. And the only thing that's helped is just not using the keyboard. So I have all this gear to do things with voice and move my head for the mouse and stuff like that. So how would you approach someone with a condition like that as far as looking towards providing some sort of healing or understanding what the issue is? You want me to do a healing on you real fast? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's okay. do that. Let's right. do show and tell like when we were little at school. All right. So I'm connecting into you. I raise my vibrational level. takes me less than a nanosecond. I'm watching a laser beam in, in my mind's eye come from my body here in the Southeast U.S. going down to you in Australia. I've got a hologram of you in my mind's eye, and it's going to your right arm first, your right forearm. Are you right-handed? Yes. Yeah, okay. And it looks to me like the ligaments and the, the ligaments, maybe some of the muscles, but I'm getting more ligaments, it looks like I can see the ligament, but it has little fibers coming off of it. Have you ever seen a little girl's hair that has split ends, maybe yep. long hair? Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like to me. And so what I'm doing is I'm applying stem cell energy, which is a light amber colored gel, has sparkles in it because it's well, got to have sparkles so it can be fun. And it has a watery consistency to it. Reminds me of this hair gel when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s called Dippity Doo. I don't know if you guys had that down there, but it was before your time, obviously. Yeah, little, just slightly. Yeah. Slightly. But I have young women, especially in their 20s, that'll send me an ad from the 1960s or 70s for Dippity Doo. It's hilarious. And so that's getting slathered on all those ligaments. And then there's a vortex spinning above your forearm. And that centrifugal force is what transforms the stem cell energy into whatever we need. It heals things, creates new body parts. This is the coolest stuff ever, Rod, because it'll regenerate whole organs. I have watched it regenerate livers and kidneys and spleens and things like that, ovaries. And then those organs show up on subsequent scans at the doctors. 
And the doctors will sometimes call me and they'll say, what the heck are you doing? And how does this stuff work? And what I describe to them, what I, my response is, go back to your grade school science lessons. We learned every cell has a nucleus. Every nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm, which is a watery gel. Our bodies have a centrifugal force that spins that causes the cells to divide and replicate to the tune of billions of them a day. That's what I'm watching happen in my mind's eye, just in warp speed. And so that's what I'm working with on you. So let's go over to your left arm. Okay. And, and we'll do the same thing over there. That's not, it looks like your right arm's worse, which I would imagine that it would be because you're right-handed. Yeah. And so it usually same procedure. Yeah. Same procedure on the left and spreading that stem cell energy on there. There's a vortex spinning above it and that's regenerating those ligaments. If the ligament has a bunch of little cuts in it and little like fibers sticking up, they've all been smoothed down and now they're being healed so that they're going to be in good shape. Couple of things that are interesting about this. Number one, my visuals come in symbolically and it's intended to help integrate the healing easier into your body. And what I've learned over these years of doing this for all these years, Ron, is that symbols bypass the conscious mind and go right into the subconscious. So it's gonna integrate more easily into your body, the healing, number one. Number two, nobody heals anybody else. We all heal ourselves. So the healing has happened on the energetic level. Now it's up to your spirit to integrate the healing into your body. And that can happen instantly. It can take days, weeks, months. It may need some kind of complementary care like physical therapy or something in your, like what you're doing. You're giving your arms a rest mm. to let them heal. But it's always the spirit's prerogative to utilize a healing in a way that's going to best facilitate whatever that spirit's exploring. And we don't know the big picture. You may come up with some invention that revolutionizes using keyboards that helps prevent this for people all over the world. I'm an inventor, so of mm. course, that's where I go first. I'm like, yep. ooh, what can you come up with that? It sounds like some people have already started on that. Yeah, it's something that I've thought about often, actually. <laughs> what, what could I, the things that I've learned. But the technology still hasn't really allowed, at least not in my experience, where it's still not a straightforward process. I can't use a computer with the same sort of speed just by using voice, etc., that I could if I use my hands. But I'm sure that there are people who can't use their hands that have probably figured it out better than what I have. I like what you said before about, I don't know if you follow, I forget the name of the channel. He channels an entity called Bashar and he's talking about having a permission slip. So there's all these techniques and things that people learn, but in reality, they're just a permission slip for you to be able to do what it is that your higher self knows how to do anyway. I get that's a little bit the way you described it as now it's up to my spirit to actually allow and integrate that healing. Makes sense. I have clients all over the world and some healings integrate instantly with some people. Sometimes it takes 
days, weeks, months, even years. Mm. Sometimes people decide not to integrate the healing. Sometimes the healing is death, which is a big statement, but that's the case. The majority of the work that I do is healing related because that's what people ask me to do. I would say the next most common thing is talking with deceased loved ones and also telling how close to death somebody is. Because I can scan a person anywhere in the world and I can tell how close to death that person is if they're in the dying process and I can communicate with them telepathically. And there are three questions I always ask, Ron. Are you ready to go? Are you in pain? What do you need? And we get information that's really helpful, not only to the person who's dying, but also to the family. So how do you differentiate between physical ailments and energetic imbalances? Or, or are they related when you're assessing someone's health? And could you explain how, whether they're one and the same thing or whether they're two aspects and how they influence each other? As I mentioned, it's like I'm a human MRI. So the energy goes to the body parts that are in most need of help. And then I'll immediately watch a healing happen. There is always an emotional component that's in place, however, before any kind of medical condition manifests. 100% of the time, there's always an energy leak in place before any kind of medical condition arises. And the energy leak is caused by an energy block, a la Eastern medicine, acupressure, acupuncture, clear the block, get the chi to move, that whole concept. And energy blocks are always caused by an emotional event, either in this life or a past life. And so how I tell if there's an energy leak is the body is made of energy and the body is inside the spirit, which is the everlasting part of us, which is made of energy as well. And then that's all contained in what I call the energy field membrane. Now that's the container. It reminds me of really thin, stretchy plastic wrap, like you'd see on a tray of chicken breasts from the grocery store. You know how thin and stretchy that stuff is. When there's a tear or hole in that, there's an energy leak. I envision going into that tear or hole and I'm shown a scene and I'm given a year and I'm given a little bit of information. If it's past life, we'll get where it was, when it was, what happened. We'll correlate that with how it resonates with the person's current life. If it's present life, I'll get, okay, you were seven, you fell on your bike, all your buddies were laughing at you, it hurt your feelings. And we think that was no big deal, but it was a big deal to your seven-year-old self when it happened. And I'll see it run the gamut rod from something like that, that we look at as adults and we think that's no big deal, to my favorite story of drama and trauma was I had a woman from the UK on my radar and she lived on, on in Guernsey, which is an isle. And I saw her as a preteen. And I saw an explosion behind her. And I, this is all in my mind's eye. It's like I'm watching a movie. And I said, does that mean anything to you? And she said, yeah. She said, I was a victim of an IRA bombing when I was 12. And I spent three months in the hospital. I said, okay, that counts as something really dramatic. So it can be anywhere on that spectrum. And then as soon as we identify it, it eradicates the energy block, which looks like a little kernel of, popcorn to me 
It heals the energy field membrane. Instantly, the body goes back to working on full power, helps the body heal, helps the body regain and maintain health. Interesting analogy, because obviously I like to talk in analogies because it gives our human minds a frame of reference for all this woo-woo stuff that we're talking about. My analogy for how all this works, Ron, is imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get it home. If you have a picture of that in your mind's eye, the fish represents our body, the water represents our spirit, and the plastic bag represents our energy field membrane. If there's a pinhole in that plastic bag and water's draining out a drop at a time, for a long time, that fish is going to be just fine. However, when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. And that's what happens to the human body. So we fix that membrane, that plastic bag, body goes back to working on full power, helps the body heal. I think it's the most important part of healing because we can fix body parts all day long, but if you're leaking power, what's the point? So I want to switch gears a little bit to the communicating with spirits, living and deceased. So how does that communication manifest for you? And has it been a memorable experience where you connected with the spirit and how did that impact the person involved? Yeah, I do it all the time. I talked to five clients today and I think three of them, we talked to deceased loved ones. It's really fun and it's really interesting because the stuff they come up with is just mind boggling. One comes to mind from this morning, I was talking to a woman who had lost her husband. And she said, can you send a sign or what's the sign that I know that you're around me? And he said, look for bluebells. And she said, bluebells, the ice cream is a brand of ice cream here in the South, okay. Southern US. And, he, and he's showing me a picture of these blue flowers that I know are bluebells. I said, no, he's talking about the flower. Spirit's really literal and they're very specific. And so it's important to ask questions so that we can get the clarity because our interpretation of what they say is going to be predicated on our experiences, right? But it may not be as useful to us if we don't get the correct meaning. So how this works is raise my vibrational level, nanosecond, back to that. And our heads are big satellite dishes. They receive and they transmit frequencies. Every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all their lifetimes. In order to connect with the spirit, all you have to do is think of them. Doesn't matter whether you know them or not. You think of your deceased granddad, you're right there. You're on his frequency. And it's like it opens a two-way radio so you can communicate with him. You want to talk to Elvis? You want to talk to... Mother Teresa, it doesn't matter. You just think of them and that connects your satellite dish head to their frequency. Much like tuning your radio in your car to a channel to listen to a certain type of music. And then you just say something to them, either aloud or in your head, and they're going to respond. And it, how you know it's their response is it's going to come in within a second or less. Fast as you can snap your fingers, you're going to have an answer. Or even before Sometimes your question or your statement's even out all the way, even before you've thought out the thought all the way. And that's because time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time's a human creation. So they've got your thought before you've even thought it out all the way sometimes, and you'll get a response. 
And then you say something else or you think something else. They're going to respond. We all do it. We just discount what we get. We think, oh, that's just my imagination or my mind's playing tricks on me or whatever. No, it's the first thing that comes in and we're all doing it. We're just not aware of it. All right. Now, I want to ask you about how you scan animals and understand their well-being and where things aren't quite right. Is there any differences when it comes to scanning animals, apart from the obvious, and, and scanning people? Nope. All the same thing. Connect to them. I don't ask their permission to scan them. I only ask people their permission to scan them. But same way, connect into them. I watch a laser beam from my body go to the animal. And then whether I'm with them or not, 99.99999% of the time it's done remotely. I always say, I could scan you, Rod, if you were on Mars. It doesn't matter. I'd find you. And communication is the same too. So you want to talk to Fluffy or Cat, you just think of Fluffy. You go, hey, Fluffy, are you hungry? What do you want to eat? And she'll tell you what she wants to eat. And then it's, again, it's that first thing that comes into your head as fast as you can snap your fingers or before. And then clarify it with them. The other thing that's important to remember is that all spirits are pure love. So no spirit's ever going to say anything derogatory, ever. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody say, I've got these evil spirits following me around, and they're saying all these horrible things to me. I'll say, that's your brain. That's your interpretation. That's not spirit. Spirit's pure love. The snarkiness part of people stays with the body when somebody dies. Have you had any particularly memorable experiences with people's pets? One happened not too long ago that was fun, and it was of a horse. This woman, I was working with her and her horse was lame. And I said, yeah, it's his back, right leg. And he needs his knee scoped, whatever they call knees on horses or some other name. But they don't call it a knee, they call it something else. And so she took it to a veterinary clinic that was attached to a very large university veterinary hospital. And she said, Trigger, whatever the horse's name is. Trigger needs his back knee scope. He's got a torn, whatever I had told her. And they looked at her like, lady, you're just nuts. What's your deal? <laughs> and so they checked him out. Guess what? He got his knee scoped and they were able to fix it. So that was something fun. I see pets all the time that have different ailments and different requests or behavior that's less than optimal. And so we talked to them about that and they tell us what they need. I had one cat that told me that it wanted a heat lamp near its bed. It had a little bed and it was cold. It was near a window and the cat was requesting some kind of a heat lamp. And so they installed one and the cat was thrilled. Random stuff. These pets come up with just random stuff. The other thing that's really funny about pets, Rod, is that they always want to eat the junkiest food ever. They'll say, Fluffy's not eating. What can I feed her? And Fluffy will say, I want little friskies. Little friskies, like the most awful food. I'm just using that as an example. I don't know if it is, but the owner's spending all this money on all this fancy food from the vet and the cat wants the cheapest, most delicious junk food from the regular store. And that's pretty universal. They all want more treats too. That's pretty universal as well. Let me ask you about, in your 
bio on your website, you talk about ghost removals from homes and buildings. How does that work? And how do you, it seems like a lot of the time, this is actually something that's attached to a person rather than a spirit itself. So have you had any particularly challenging or unique cases in your work in that area? Yeah, I have a whole chapter in my book, Angelic Attendance, about it. And there was a train wreck and that happened at the turn of the 20th century. And so I could see this whole scene and I was in this building and there were all these ghosts that were there. And so I tell the whole scene in the book, but ghosts don't know they're dead. And I wonder if this is what the Catholic church calls limbo. If they're like my experience and it's been my experience is that when we die, we all are carried to heaven on, by angels. We're all escorted by angels to heaven. But then I believe that there are some spirits that want to be in that limbo, in that in-between space. They want to experience what's it like to continue to have the human experience just in spirit form. And they're still working through things. So what I've done many times is brought in another spirit who is maybe a family member of that ghost and beckon them to come with them into heaven, into the light. So they're not evil spirits. They just don't know they're dead. One of my favorite stories is about, this happened actually at my daughter-in-law's grandmother's home. And this was several years ago. She and my son weren't married yet, but they were there for a holiday. It was Thanksgiving here. And her mom and her aunt and her grandmother, and she were all in grandma's kitchen and they were cooking. And her grandmother had these antique spoons and different kitchen tools that were hanging on the wall on the side of a cabinet. And they all saw it and the spoons came off the hook and landed on the countertop. On their own. They're saying, what the heck? How did that happen? And of course, they're on the phone with me saying, can you scan this? What's going on here? And so I did. And this was the next day after the holiday was over. And so I scanned it. And what I saw was I saw a man and his son who was a Confederate soldier during the American Civil War. And they were looking for this soldier's daughter. The soldier had died in battle and they were looking for this little girl of the soldier. And they gave me their name and the dad looked like a farmer, Rod. And he said, this is my farm. This is my property. And so I, we, I helped him find his daughter. We brought the daughter's spirit in. So he found his daughter's spirit who was already in heaven. And then a couple of days later, one of the grandsons was able to validate that was the family name. That was originally a farm. Here's when they lived here. Here's the son whose name we got when I was communicating with them. Here's when he died in the Civil War. And here's where he died. All, all that kind of stuff. So it's really fun when we can corroborate historic information online with the information that we receive from spirit. That happens a lot past lives as well. So tell us a little bit more about how accessing past lives work and have you got any interesting experiences there? I do. I do. I am an entrepreneur, as I mentioned. So of course I have to do things a little differently. Most people do past lives with hypnotism. 
I'm just cut to the chase. What's the bottom line here? So I didn't learn this technique. It came in for me after I'd been doing the woo-woo for a while. But I envisioned myself in this endless hallway. And it's very narrow walls, very tall ceiling, maybe 40 feet tall. And on the walls are big square mirrors, 12 inch by 12 inch, lined perfectly horizontally, vertically and horizontally. As far as the eye can see, in the distance, I can't even see the specs, you know, so far. So I'll ask a question. I'll say, okay, does Rod have any past lives that are affecting his current life and his issues with his forearms, as an example? Mm -hmm. And then the mirrors that correlate with that question, Rod, will come out from the wall as if they're on a hydraulic arm. And then I'll say, show me the one that correlates the most. And that one will come out the farthest. And then I'll envision walking into the mirror like I'm walking into a scene of a movie. And I'll be given where it was, when it was, a little bit about what happened. And then we'll be able to see if that resonates. And it always does with whatever you've got going on in a past life. So as soon as we do that, it helps whatever's going on heal, whether that be emotional or medical. And it's always fascinating to see what we come up with when it comes to past lives. I had a client recently, actually, this was during one of my classes, a student, and we got that he was an RAF pilot in World War II, and we got what his name was and where he was from and where he died. He died in a crash and all that. And so during one of the breaks, he was able to look the information up. He found everything online. It was all validated with historic documents. So that's always fun when that happens. And is that a fairly quick process as well? Because I know with some people who do past life experiences, like this initial getting people used to getting into a trance state, it sounds like that's not how you do things. It's much faster. No, it's mm. instant. Yep. It's pretty much, what's our question? Let's get in the hallway. Let's do it. Like I said, I'm a businesswoman. I want to know. What's the answer here? You know, I'll need to, I'll need to do all the, don't have to twirl three times, put your left hand in the air and raise your right, your right foot and say some incantation. No, you raise your vibrational. We go to it. Boom. Get the answers. We move on. So when I'm working with a client over an hour period, we're covering a lot of territory. Mm. We can do medical, we can do pet, we can do past life, we can talk to deceased loved ones, we can do all this different kind of thing. I had a woman this morning and we were talking with her mother and she had three miscarriages and she wanted to know if her mother was with her babies. And the mother showed me the babies that were maybe three and four-year-olds at that point, and they were all holding hands and they were twirling in a circle, like um, Ring Around the Rosie, that game. And she was singing Frere Jaca to them. She was teaching them the, the Frere Jaca song. Mm -hmm. And my client said, oh, no surprise there. And I said, why? And she said, because that was our favorite song as children. We sang it all the time. She taught it to us as children. She said, I love that she's teaching that to my babies. So spirit's going to show us and give us information that's going to resonate with that person and it's going to make sense to them. The other thing that's important when talking to spirit, I think it's really important to remember, Rod, that they're going to give us information. And even if it doesn't make sense to us at that moment, it may make sense to us 
later on. And it may be something that hasn't happened yet. An example of that is I was working with a woman and we were talking with her deceased husband who was recently deceased. And she was saying, he doesn't give me any signs that he's around me. Can he let me know he's around me? And he told me to tell her to look for a peacock. Look for the peacock is what he said. She said, look for the peacock. I live in Boston. There are any peacocks here. What's he talking about? So we finished the appointment. And within five minutes of hanging up with her, Rod, she sent me an email and she said, I went on my Facebook page. And the first thing that showed up was this huge picture of a full color peacock. And I said, there you go. That's him letting you know that he's around you. And it's something that hadn't happened yet, but it happened quickly thereafter. So the stories are endless on different situations like that. So your ability to determine how close someone is to death is interesting. I can imagine that relatives may not want to know if someone's close to death sometimes or people themselves. So can you shed some light on how you perceive and interpret that information and how you handle the delicate aspect of people being close to death when they may not realize that they are? Good question. First of all, I don't work with families who don't ask for my help. There's no reason for me to volunteer that unless I'm asked. And I'm usually asked, number one. Number two, I don't edit anything that I get if I'm scanning somebody medically. And there have been a handful of times over the years where somebody is dying. And I tell them, I don't edit anything I get because, first of all, I'm the messenger. It's spirit working through me and with me to help that person facilitate Mm. healing. And secondly, who am I to decide what somebody needs to hear? I believe if I'm getting the information, the person's supposed to hear it. Mm. And I deliver that with compassion, obviously. I'm not going to say, oh, by the way, you're dying. And, you know, you got this whole list along the love. And obviously there needs to be compassion as part of the equation. So what I'll do is I'll connect to somebody if I'm going to do a medical scan for them. And then I can tell how close to death a person is by a configuration of angels, deceased loved ones, spirits, and the spirits of deceased pets that are surrounding the person who's dying. I call this the 12 phases of transition. And there's a a chart of this on my website, askjulieryan.com. Just go to the 12 phases tab. It's a free download. If you have somebody that you believe is dying or you have a loved one who's dying, go download that chart. And then you just ask, what phase of transition is my granddad in? And you're gonna hear a number between one and 12, and then you can refer to the chart. A number is going to come in instantly. People that haven't learned how to do woo-woo do this all day long. Because I just say, just ask. You're going to hear a number in your head, and then you can look at the chart. And so it adds an interesting perspective in what's normally a heart-wrenching experience in that there's a glorious component to it. The other thing that's interesting about the 12 phases of transition is there's university-based research that shows that 90% of people at the end of their lives see spirits of deceased loved ones and pets as they're in the dying process. Talk to any hospice medical provider, talk to any critical care medical provider or emergency room provider. 
they will all have endless stories about, yeah, my dad was seeing his mom and she'd been dead for 80 years, or my mom could smell her mom's perfume and her mom had been dead for 30 years. Oftentimes we think grandma's hallucinating because grandma's talking to her deceased mother. Grandma's not hallucinating. Grandma can see her deceased mother because as grandma's transitioning, more of the spirit takes place, less of the body. So that's what happens. It's what an honor and a privilege it is for me to work with families who have a loved one at the end of their lives. So when you're doing this scanning, is it something that wears you out after a time or is it something that energizes you or has that evolved over time? Energizes me. I'm wired. I do a call-in show every week called the Ask Julie Ryan Show. And we release it on Friday mornings on YouTube and on all the podcast platforms. And people call in from all over and ask me about any one of those different categories that we've just been discussing. And at the end of that, I need to calm down (laughs) because I'm wired. I'll bebop it all over. We'll usually get 10 or so people on and get their questions answered. And they could be in America or they can be abroad. And and it's just, no, it's really fun. And at the end of the day, it's nighttime here for me. What time is it? It's almost 8 p.m. here. And I've worked with five clients today. So five hours worth of clients in you. And I'm still raring to go. So, no, it's very, it's energizing. And it's fun. That's the big thing is people that, especially that take my classes, say, you always tell us that it's fun and I want to do it because I want to learn how to do this stuff. But the the thing that they don't believe me about, but they figure out is this is so much fun. It's just a blast because spirit's pure love and pure love is fun. And I think part of the reason why I see all these crazy analogies, like a goldfish in a bag or dippity-doo hair gel or I may tell somebody that their ligaments in their forearms look like a little girl's split ends on her long hair. All these crazy analogies come in that give us a metaphor that we can use in our human frame of reference. And they're funny. And there were times early on, Rod, where I'd get a picture in my mind's eye and I'd say, really? You really want me to tell him that his elbow looks like whipped cream? Or really? You want me to tell her that? And it But the thing that I hear over and over again is I I have people tell me, you describe this stuff way better than any doctor I've ever gone to. But then I'll say, it's just how it comes into me. And I just give them what I'm seeing. They get it. It, again, bypasses the conscious mind that's going, oh, this energy thing can't work. I don't believe this. You've got to prove it to me. That's the conscious mind. And they're going right into, okay. The ligaments in my forearms look like a little girl's split ends. When I'm describing it, Mm. you're not going to be thinking about a pink elephant. You're going to be thinking about a little girl's split ends, right? So it's bypassing your conscious mind and going right in. And it helps integrate the healing. So do you often have people asking about directions that they're considering taking in life or perhaps new hobbies or things that they're thinking about doing that perhaps they haven't done anything about. I'll give you a specific example because it's a strange one for, for me. I haven't had an interest in anything to do with Ouija boards or anything like that up until this point. But then I was reading a book about uh, a channel a while ago 
And it really just hit me like a slap in the face. I said, you need to get a Ouija board. And then my birthday is coming up and my wife said, what would you like? And I said, can you get me a Ouija board? And she goes, what? A Ouija board. And she, she's used to this sort of thing from me. So I don't have one yet, but I think about it a lot and I can't wait till I actually get one. And I have no idea where this is going to go, but what's your thoughts on that? And do you often have people ask you sort of these pretty out there questions as to things they want to do with their life? All the time. Mm. Every day I'm working with clients. Ouija board, I did a blog on this. Okay. And the, the Ouija board is was the biggest selling game for decades. Decades. Milton Bradley's the company that makes it. And Ouija boards are patented. You got the Ouija board patented. I have a bunch of patents for medical devices. I know what's involved to prove that your device works. So I often think, what did they do with the patent office to demonstrate that the Ouija board really worked? So that's number one. Number two, the Ouija board was something that everybody loved and it was a parlor game. And when it became, had a little bit of a sinister connection to it Mm. was when the movie The Exorcist was released in the 1970s because that was in the script. And since then, people thought, oh, the Ouija board's evil. You don't want to use that. Evil spirits are coming in and blah. Nah. Evil spirits don't exist. That was created by religions and cultures and civilizations to control the masses throughout the generations. But I'll be eager to hear what you think of it. We had a Ouija board when I was growing up. It was a blast. I never had when I was growing up. And people, like you just mentioned, they go, really? They automatically go to the exorcist. But it doesn't enter my mind. I think I look at it as it's like a permission slip that I mentioned before, where it's a access to be able to then lift your vibration up and see what comes through. And I don't know, I guess that's just part well, of Well, it's a tool. Hmm. It's a tool to help you learn how to communicate with spirit. Since the beginning of time, pendulums have been used. And in a lot of cultures, it was they were used a lot on pregnant women to find out the sex of the baby long before sonograms. And so they'd say, is the baby a boy? And the pendulum would spin a certain direction if it was a yes and spin another direction if it was a no. I think if it goes, if it spins in a clockwise direction and spins really fast, that's a yes. If it goes clockwise or goes side to side, it's a no. If it's still, it means that you're not supposed to know the answer. I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen one of those used in a long time. But again, it's a tool to help somebody learn how to do this. And eventually you're getting the answers in your head before the pendulum's giving you an answer. So it's validation that the answer in your head is good. And then I'm all about practice. The more you do this, the more validation you get, the more validation you get, the more you learn to trust it. And then it's just second nature. It's just, boom, you're off to the races. It's just instant. Yeah. Let's see where that one goes. I've given up wanting things to be a particular way in life. I think that's what happens when you get into your 50s. You just go, okay, let's just see where this actually goes and not get too hung up on what the outcome should be. It would be interesting. All right, so I have one final question as to how your your psychic intuitive abilities have informed your work as an entrepreneur as well. Did one inform the other over time? No, my, my inventions were all before I learned how to do woo-woo. Mm. 
Uh, I've had several companies that I've started since I started studying this stuff. And back when I started, people would say to me, why are you learning this stuff? Why are you going to class? I say, I don't know. It's just interesting. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, why are you spending the time and the money? I honest to God, don't know. 30 years later, here I'm doing this as a career. I've sold several of the companies and I'm thinking, okay, now what, what am I going to do next? And I was led to write my angelic attendance book, which is a fun story. I'll come back to that in a second if we have time. And, and so people say to me now, what are your goals with your Ask Julie Ryan business? And I say, I don't know. I don't have any. I'll say, how can you not have any? You're a businesswoman. I was all about business plans and measurables and how are we doing? How are we going to increase sales? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And now to your point earlier, Rod, it's just unfolds. I have an idea. I check it out. Okay, maybe we'll do that. And then it works. And then I'll think of something else to do and we'll do that. And that's how everything has come about in the past five or six years with the Ask Julie Ryan brand is something comes up and then I'm, I I will check in and I'll say to Spirit, am I supposed to do this? And I'll hear something in my head. Yeah, duh. And then we'll say, I don't know how to do that. Sometimes I get marketing plans downloaded into my head from Spirit. I call that divine downloads. And I don't know how it's going to go. We just take a step at a time. And all of the puzzles come together. My book, Angelic Attendance, may I, do I have time for that quick yeah, yeah, story? Yeah. Tell, so tell us about your book and then tell us about what, all the other stuff you've got going on. Yeah. Oh, Angelic Attendance. I have props. What really happens as we transition from this life to the next. See, I can be like a game show hostess right here. <laughs> it has these charts inside that you can get on my website. Anybody that wants this book, it's what happens as we're as somebody's dying, how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones. It has a bunch of great stories in there of families with whom I work. Just go to Julie Ryan Gift.com. We'll send you a free yeah. copy, digital and audiobook version. Yeah. JulieRyanGift.com. So how this came about was first time I saw the what I've come to call the 12 phases of transition was when my own mother was dying in 2002. And then after she passed, I saw it with several other people who were dying. And I thought, okay, this is a thing. One day I'm with my mentor, Susan. And when she's doing an energetic healing on me, Rod, I'm laying face up on a massage table. I got a blankie on me and my head's on a pillow and I'm comfy and cozy. And my deceased loved one's spirits line both sides of the table. So everybody in my family, even my deceased dog, her spirit's there. So one day this dead Pope shows up in his whole Pope outfit, the hat, the staff, the whole nine yards. And I said, who are you? And my Susan could see him too. And I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, I never heard him quote Clement. I went through 12 years of Catholic schools. I thought, I never heard him quote Clement. He said, yeah, he laughed. He said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, great. How may I help you? Why are you here? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People won't think I'm nuts. He goes, yeah, whatever. Just get on with it. And he said, no, seriously, people are so afraid of dying because they it's just been bastardized through the ages. And that's 
part of your role here on earth. Everything you've done has led you to this place where you have the ability to do this. So just get on with it. I said, yeah, probably not. Thanks for stopping by. Cut it with thing. So Rod, I left a few minutes later. I'm in my car, pull out my phone, and I just did an internet search on Pope Clement VI. Well, come to find out, this guy was in office during the Black Plague when two-thirds of Europe died, and he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I thought, Ryan, you just can't make that up. I never heard of the guy. And so he's been my main spare guide ever since. And he treats me like a Nike ad. He just tells me, just do it. And I've learned over the years with, who else is going to argue with a dead pope? I argued with him early on, but he was right every time. Gee, surprise there. But he'll tell me, he doesn't tell me to do things, but I'll ask for his opinion on things. And he's a smart aleck. He'll say, yeah, duh. And then I'll say, okay, this is what I'm thinking, bo bo. And then he'll say, yeah, do that, do this, whatever. And I follow it. And it always, it always just works out. So it's been really fun to collaborate with a dead Pope, who's my main spirit guide. <laughs> I'm sure many Catholic people would like to have that sort of access. And I guess it's available, right? <laughs> they all do. That's right. And that's a really good point because we all have access to universal intelligence. We think we have to be dead to have access. We don't. You ask a question, that answer is going to come in as fast as you can snap your fingers on anything. Julie, thank you for doing what you do. I'll put in the show notes links to your website and all, all of your books and, and so on. And the julieryangift.com so people can download that if they want to. Have you got any final messages for people who will be watching this video? Just everything's at askjulieryan.com. My show, we do an interview and a call-in show. We release two a week. They're all on all the podcast channels on YouTube as well. So... Love to have you look at those. Everything you want to know is at AskJulieRyan.com. Julie, thank you for everything you do, as I said before, and thank you for being a guest on my show. My honor. Thank you for having me. 